Since my doctor recommends that I have a colonoscopy every five years because I'm at high risk for colon cancer, I got really excited when I saw the headline, A Colonoscopy Alternative Comes Home. I felt gleeful all the way to the end of page two, where it was made clear that this at-home test kit does not, that does not involve drinking gallons of horrible liquid in order to clean yourself out is not for people in the high-risk category. Bummer, if you don't mind my saying. Anyway, I hope it is very welcome news for many of you and that you thank your lucky stars every time you get to do this at home instead of making a trip to the surgery center. And I apologize in advance, I had a hand surgery, so I'm down to one hand, and so I think there'll probably be a fair amount of paper, paper shuffling sounds. So I will try to do my best. And we go right now to the colonoscopy alternative comes home from the New York Times, written by Paula Spann and published on January 11th, 2021. Most Americans who are due for a colon cancer screening will receive a postcard or a call or prompting during a doctor's visit to remind them that it's time to schedule a colonoscopy. But at big healthcare systems like Kaiser Permanente or the Federal Veterans Health Administration, the process has changed. Patients who should be screened regularly, ages 50 to 75, and who are of average risk, get a letter telling them about a home test kit arriving by mail. It's a FIT, which stands for Fecal Immunochemical Test. The small cardboard mailer contains equipment and instructions for taking a stool sample and returning the test to a lab to detect microscopic amounts of blood. A week or so later, the results show up on an online patient portal. 5 to 6% of patients will have a positive test and need to schedule a follow-up colonoscopy. But the great majority are finished with colon cancer screening for the year, no uncomfortable prep, no need to skip work or find someone to drive them home after anesthesia, no colonoscopy. Last spring, when the coronavirus pandemic closed many medical facilities and postponed non-emergency procedures, this approach suddenly looked even more desirable. We know that from March to May, colon cancer screenings fell by about 90%, said Dr. Rachel Asaka, a gastroenterologist at the University of Washington and the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Although testing has resumed, she said, we're still not back to where we were. Yet colon cancer represents the third highest causing of cancer deaths, after lung cancer and, tied for second place, breast and prostate cancer. Unlike those, colon cancer can be prevented with early detection. With many older adults trying to avoid hospitals and surgical centers, even as their risk of colon cancer rises with age, an at-home test provides an alternative to colonoscopy, one that is both safer with a lower risk of complications and COVID-19 exposure and does as good a job. If your doctor tells you a colonoscopy is better, that's not accurate, said Dr. Alex Christ, chairman of the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, an independent expert panel that reviews evidence and issues recommendations. The data show the tests are equally effective at saving lives. 
The task force is updating its guidelines for colon cancer screening, and this year will likely recommend lowering the age at which it should begin to 45. But the recommendations on the upper end will remain unchanged. Based on strong evidence, adults up to age 75 should be screened regularly. Beyond that age, the disadvantages begin to mount. The task force says the benefit of screening 76 to 85-year-olds is small and that the decision should be an individual one reached in consultation with a doctor. Colon cancer develops slowly, explained Dr. James Goodwin, a geriatrician and researcher at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. Patients at older ages, who typically contend with several other diseases, may not live long enough to benefit. You cause more harm than good, Dr. Goodwin said. The advice to stop screening isn't always popular with patients. People don't like to hear about not living very long, he said. But with colonoscopy, he noted, you go through an unpleasant experience, or an unpleasant experience followed by an unpleasant diagnosis and unpleasant treatment for something that, if you'd never known about it, wouldn't cause you harm. Even if a test eventually finds colon cancer, surgery plus chemotherapy, the standard treatment, could itself endanger a frail older person. I would be heavily biased against anyone getting a screening of any sort over age 80, Dr. Goodwin said. Although Americans still rely mostly on colonoscopy, his research has shown that for many older people, that test is overused either because of the patient's ages or because they are tested too frequently. Yet screening is simultaneously underused. In 2018, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, only about 70% of adults were up to date on colorectal cancer testing. About one-fifth of those 65 to 75 had not been screened as recommended. Among those 50 to 65, where lack of Medicare or other insurance probably contributed, only about 63% were appropriately screened. The task force has found several kinds of screening tests effective, but the ones used most for people at average risk are colonoscopy at a recommended 10-year interval or FIT annually. A newer entry in at-home tests sold under the brand name Cologuard that detects blood and cancer biomarkers in stool may be used every three years, but a study found it to be less effective than most other methods and far more expensive than FIT. When screening is recommended, how does FIT stack up against colonoscopy? Higher risk patients, including those who have had colon cancer or parents or siblings with colon cancer, those with inflammatory bowel disorders like Crohn's disease, and those who have had abnormal previous tests, including multiple or large polyps, should seek out a colonoscopy, often on an accelerated schedule. The procedure involves inserting a viewing instrument through the anus to directly visualize an anesthetized patient's colon. A colonoscopy offers one distinct advantage. If the gastroenterologist spots polyps, growths that over time could become cancerous, although most don't, these can be removed immediately. You're preventing cancer, snipping out the things that could lead to cancer, Dr. Goodwin said. 
After a negative colonoscopy, patients don't need another for a decade. But the procedure's complications increase with age, although they remain low. The most serious, a perforated colon, requires hospitalization. Cleaning out the bowel on the day before the procedure in preparation is disruptive and disagreeable. And Dr. Goodwin notes that older patients sometimes experience cycles of diarrhea and constipation for weeks afterward. Rural residents may find traveling to a facility difficult. The use of anesthesia means that every patient needs someone to drive or escort them home afterward. The prospect of spending two to four hours in a facility, even one using rigorous safety measures, will cause some older adults to postpone testing because of COVID-19 fears. The FIT, which is far more widely used in other countries, avoids many of those difficulties. A marked improvement over earlier at-home stool tests, it requires a sample from one day instead of samples from three and imposes no food or drug restrictions. A positive result still calls for a colonoscopy, but the great majority of patients avoid that outcome. Why do so many Americans still undergo colonoscopies then? There's a large financial incentive for people who do colonoscopies to do colonoscopies. Dr. Goodwin said, so patients may not hear much about the alternatives. Many of my own patients are surprised to learn that there's another way, said Dr. Christ, also a family physician at Virginia Commonwealth University. As they age, they want less invasive methods and may be happy to switch. Wider adoption of FIT could also save patients and insurers, notably Medicare, a boatload. The home test, which is available through several manufacturers, generally costs less than $20. A colonoscopy can easily exceed 1,000. Moreover, with personalized messages to patients and follow-up reminders to return the kit, fit use can result in more people being screened. That could prove important when the Preventive Services Task Force lowers the recommended age to 45, which would add 22 million Americans to the list of people advised to undergo colon cancer screening. Their needs, plus a backlog of patients who postponed tests during the pandemic, could swamp gastroenterology practices. If a provider doesn't bring up the possibility of an at-home test, Dr. Asaka said, patients should feel empowered to ask about it. Colon cancer screenings of any type are considered non-urgent, she said, but they're not optional. Now we have an article from Health. And this was written by Kristen Canning. This was originally published March 17, 2017, but was updated on March 1, 2021. Titled, The Colorectal Cancer Symptoms You Need to Know Even If You're Young. Colon and rectal cancer rates have declined in older adults in recent years, but researchers have uncovered an alarming trend. Diagnoses in Millennials and Generation X are actually on the rise, according to a 2017 research published in the journal The National Cancer Institute. Researchers from the American Cancer Society analyzed data for more than 490,000 colorectal cancer cases in people who were 20 or older from 1974 to 2013 and found that compared to people born in 1950, 
people born in 1990 have double the risk of colon cancer and four times the risk of rectal cancer. It's extremely rare for an incidence of a disease to increase this much, says Andrea Sarek, MD, a gastrointestinal oncologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. A 2019 study further confirms that the incidence of colorectal cancer is getting more prevalent. The number of people diagnosed with colon cancer under the age of 50 has risen from 10% in 2004 to 12.2% in 2015. According to the research, which was published in the American Cancer Society journal Cancer, when younger patients are diagnosed, the disease is more likely to have advanced to stages 3 or 4. Researchers aren't yet sure what's behind the rise, but they have some theories. For one, the same lifestyle factors contributing to the growing obesity epidemic are also associated with colorectal cancer. It's likely that some of the behaviors that contribute to obesity, like a sedentary lifestyle and poor diet, like high consumption of red and processed meat, and a low consumption of milk products, led to colorectal cancer says Rebecca Siegel, MPH, lead epidemiologist on the 2017 study. Some researchers are also exploring the connection between gut microbiome changes and cancer, but have yet to determine any direct link, says Dr. Sarek. Based in part on these findings, the American Cancer Society lowered the screening age for colorectal cancer to 45 for people with average risk, meaning they have no family history of the disease. Other groups continue to advise starting colonoscopies at age 50. Meanwhile, both Siegel and Dr. Sarek say it's smart to keep an eye out for colorectal cancer symptoms. Many of the signs of colorectal cancer are easy to ignore or shrug off as something minor, and young people are especially prone to dismissing them, says Dr. Sarek. They think it's not a big deal and they're too busy working and living their lives, and they're more likely to be diagnosed at a later stage. Here are the colon cancer symptoms Dr. Sarek and Siegel say you shouldn't ignore. Blood in the stool, which can be bright red or dark. Bleeding from the rectum. Abdominal cramping that can't be explained by a bug or something you ate. A change in your bowel movements, whether that's in timing, frequency, shape of stool, or amount of stool. Persistent constipation or diarrhea. Unexplained weight loss. If you experience any of these symptoms of colon cancer for more than a week, it's time to talk to a doctor. Do your homework before your appointment and find out if you have a family history of colorectal cancer. If you do, it may prompt your doc to screen you, says Dr. Sarek. Siegel warns, however, that if you feel brushed off by your MD, you may need to push for further screening. Most young people will just have some blood in their stool, and it will be diagnosed as hemorrhoids, which is the most likely thing, she says. But we need to raise awareness among physicians that these symptoms need to be followed up. You can lower your risk of colorectal cancer by eating a healthy diet with lots of fruits, vegetables, and fiber, and cutting down on red and processed meats. Milk has also been shown to help lower risk, says Siegel. Exercise and maintaining a healthy weight will also help protect you from rectal and colon cancer. 
Well, to reward us for discussing the unpleasant topic of colon cancer, or colonoscopies, let's move to something more in the realm of entertainment. If you have ever wondered how TV medical dramas and comedies stack up against real-life medical care, Dr. Mike is the social media handle for Dr. Mikhail Vershevsky. He gives us his opinion on what shows are the most accurate and which the least. And this came from MedPage Today of January 20th, 2021. And this is a rough transcript of this. Mikhail Vershevsky. Let's get started at number 16. The least accurate medical drama that I've watched on this channel is Attaway General. Sorry to my Dixie D'Amelio fans out there, but the show just has inaccuracies galore. The uniforms aren't right. They're wearing hairnets at times. They're having teenagers deliver medical care as volunteers. I literally remember one scene when they were trying to save someone's life where the doctor was like checking a pulse like this and the EKG monitor just has colorful stripes going across it that mean absolutely nothing. Just nothing makes sense on the show. I get that it's young folks, they're trying their first time at acting, and I support that. More power to them. I'm strictly talking about the medical accuracy. Number 15 and the second least accurate medical drama, Doogie Hauser. I can't believe it's this low on the list, but the reality is it's an older show, so the medical accuracy is just not up to par to our current standards. Also, I really remember this one very awkward scene. That was maybe okay back then. Now it definitely freaked me out. Number 14, Nurses. And I watched it with my good friend, Nurse Bianca, who also was heavy critical of the show. There's just a lot of inaccuracies. They don't follow a lot of the medical guidelines. Literally, on the episode, they had one of the nurses attacking another nurse for treating someone who is a known criminal. We treat everybody in the medical space, so that made no sense. Then, in another scene, they had a doctor just say, Oh, we ran out of old blood, so I'm just going to connect myself because I'm old blood and give it to the patient. Like, no, sir, we don't do that. That is highly inaccurate. I'm calling BS. I love nurses. They're the backbone of medicine. The show itself didn't do them justice. Lucky 13 is Transplant. I really liked the premise of this one. We have a Syrian refugee that's thrust back into practicing medicine in Canada. I was really excited for it to work. However, in the very first scene, you have an individual who is not a doctor in Canada drilling into someone's head in order to save their life. Throughout the entire episode, no one was doing chest compressions. They were talking about intubating people, getting cardiac consults. Where were the chest compressions? Chest compressions, chest compressions, chest compressions, folks. For number 12, we have Royal Pains. The medical accuracy is just out of this world. It's almost like they're functioning like an ER specialist, family medicine doctor, interventional cardiologist, toxicologist. It's like they're superhuman. He didn't even look at her eyes. How does he know what her pupils look like? 
It sounds like he has x-ray vision and he could see from across the room. That is not how a medical diagnosis is made, and I feel like it misguides people into thinking doctors have to know right away what's going on. A lot of times we don't, and we have to investigate further. Number 11, we have the night shift. I know that there is a lot of fans on this show, and they may be upset seeing their favorite medical drama this low on the list. It's just not so medically accurate. At least, to be fair, the one episode I watched, they had one doctor completely lose his mind. Like there was just so much unrealistic actions happening by the staff that it made it feel not medically accurate. Again, the procedures they showed, the medical illnesses they showed, were so far out there that you probably wouldn't even find them in a medical book. It would have to be a sub-subspecialist medical book in order to find these conditions. Number 10, falling somewhere in the middle of the list, is Nurse Jackie. Now, this show is darker than most medical dramas on this list, and I actually really enjoyed the depth of the show. However, the characters were just so aggressive in their illegal, illegal action. If she forged his organ donor certificate on the back of his license, that's crazy. Like there's just so many things that keep happening to make it seem outrageous, to make it interesting. It doesn't feel quite realistic. Coming in at number nine, The Resident. I actually got invited by one of the cast members to be on the set with them, got a behind-the-scenes tour. It was super cool. I think this show falls somewhere in the middle of the pack when it comes to medical accuracy. They use a lot of good medical terms that are accurate. Their procedures are performed with a decent level of accuracy. The one thing that I will say is that the residents on the show are really like cowboy residents. They're doing whatever they want. So that really isn't realistic. And just like any good medical drama, the dramas turned up all-time high. While I dig the drama, the realism falls somewhere right down the middle. Definitely one I enjoy, though, and I recommend you check it out as well. Number eight, we have New Amsterdam. All in all, I think it's a good show. It's quality. It talks about really important systemic issues within healthcare. While I think it takes on important challenges, it also does it in a very unrealistic way at times. For instance, Dr. Max says, Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Great. Thank you. You're all fired. Varshavsky. Like, that is not realistic. Who's going to take care of the patients in the meantime? I definitely want to check more episodes out of that show. If you have a specific episode of New Amsterdam you want me to watch, drop me a line. Lucky number seven is one that I know I'm going to get heat for. Please don't attack me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm saying it now. I'm sorry. Grey's Anatomy. I know. I know. It's so... It's not that accurate. I know it's the most popular medical drama of all time, probably. And look, I've watched four episodes of it. I've probably watched maybe a handful more on my own, and it's just not medically accurate. 
residents and interns are doing all sorts of advanced procedures with no oversight, romance around every corner, and heartbreak and drama, and I know why so many of you love it. I get it. I like it too. It's... But still, medical accuracy just... It's not there. For number six, we have Scrubs. Yes, the famous satirical medical show Scrubs. I honestly struggled with this one. I didn't know where to place it. I know many of you at home on forums says, say Scrubs is the most accurate show. However, I do think that it is an accurate satirical explanation of what happens or representation of what happens in hospitals, but it is not medically accurate. For instance, Dr. Perry Cox says, Get her to open her mouth, take a handful, and throw it at her. Whatever sticks, that's the correct dosage. Farshavsky. And it's a comedy, so I get why they're doing it and I enjoy watching it. But one of the things that kind of irks me with the show, maybe because I'm so defensive and protective of my patients, is I feel like they're mean to their patients sometimes. I know it's a joke, but somehow it just gets in for me. Number five, we have Chicago Med. A lot of these shows really just focus on doctors, and Chicago Med really does a great job at showing nurses as part of the medical team. The episode that I watched, I couldn't find almost anything medically wrong with it. It has good medical terminology, the procedures that they're doing are accurate, and the fact that they had a nurse telling a resident how to do chest compressions properly, they were critiquing them, that got me hyped. Number four, we have Code Black. This is the surprising one on the list. The dark horse, the black sheep, if you will. I really fell in love with this show. It actually genuinely upset me to find out it was cancelled. The show felt like it was written by medical professionals and then someone added a little drama, as opposed to someone that writes medical dramas and then they sprinkled some medicine into it. I think that the real hard-hitting truth about the show is it does a good job at showing character development of medical professionals, the stresses we have, the struggles we have, how we go about losing patients and talking with patients. I think those were very real and clearly scripted by someone who's gone through that process. Let's bring it back. Let's resurrect Code Black. Three, number three, we have House MD. I know so many House fans wanted him to be number one. While the show has incredible scientific rigor, like it talks about true scientific conditions, a lot of the zebra conditions that we've talked about on this channel, ones that warrant more attention. And while I think that's great, I think the way that my man House MD goes about it is just reckless. And we're running out of time, so I gotta get that. So we're the top two. Number two is The Good Doctor. Dr. Sean comes in with accuracy, depicting a true medical professional who's diagnosed with autism. And I better tell you, number one, king of medical dramas, at least in medical accuracy, at least in my book, it is two letters, E-R. That's right, folks. It's an oldie, but it's a classic. It's so good 20, 30 years later since its inception. It's still bingeable. It's still quality. And I'm sorry I had to shorten things up there for the last little bit on number one, number two, and number three. I hope you enjoyed that, and I thank you for tuning in to Sound Body. Stay well and come back next week for more healthy living ideas.